Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. If it was a horrendous crime, why didn't I shoot them between the eyes, cut their penis off? People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in there. Uh, he was saving body parts such as uh, skulls and uh, skeletons. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Murdery. Taylor is going to take the reins today and tell us about Larry Jean Bell. Take it away, Taylor. All right. All right. Larry Jean Bell was born in 1946 in Ralph, Alabama. He had three sisters and one brother. Uh, The family reportedly moved pretty frequently and while he attended high school in South uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, Bell's family decided to move to Mississippi, uh, where Larry then finished high school and would train as an electrician. That's creepy. My husband's an electrician. I was like, don't that we have an electrician? Me out. Yeah. In the house? Oh, that creeps me out. Um, he then decided to return to Columbia, where he married and had one child, and this. Uh, marriage ultimately ended in divorce. So we're going to go ahead and get to the kidnapping and murders. Oh my. Yeah. Here we go. So Sherry Smith was an 18-year-old girl just two days away from graduating from high school and going on a cruise with friends when she disappeared. At 3.38 on May 31st, 1985, Sherry's um, father saw her pulling into the driveway and stop about 700 700 feet from the house to check the mail. So, I mean, these people have, like, a long-ass driveway. Yeah. And he sees her, like, pull up to the mailbox or whatever. Yeah, and she, like, hops out to um, get the mail after, like, she was returning from a friend's graduation party. Uh, About five minutes later, her father realized that she still hadn't come in the house and had the feeling that something was wrong, you know, that parent intuition. Mm-hmm. So he decided that he would go down to the mailbox and check on her. So he hopped in his car and went down there and saw that her car was still running, the door was open, and her purse was on the seat. Sorry, burped. <laughs> <laughs> Just pardon that, please. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> um, he noticed bare footprints leading from the car to the mailbox. Um, but none of those footprints were coming back. So just footprints going one way. And so again, a little bit freaked out that he saw his daughter like five minutes ago and now she's gone. He called the Lexington County Sheriff's, uh, to report her missing. Uh, when the police came to the house, they noted that the mail was on the ground, leaving them to believe that she was checking the mail before she was abducted. Uh, Sheriff Jim Metz immediately organized the largest manhunt in South Carolina history. Um, the Smith, I guess, the Smith family was like very influential in the community. I feel like I know I grew up with some people with the last name Smith, and I feel like that is kind of a big name, at least back in the South. Yeah, like where you're from. Yeah. Um, so. Police thought he had, she had been kidnapped for ransom purposes, especially since they were an influential family. Um, I don't know if that makes it scarier or if it like gives you hope because 
you think maybe she's still alive. Yeah, they're like, know? oh, they just want money, so yeah. we'll pay whatever we can to... They're not going to kill her if they, yeah, if they, if want, they want money. money. Yeah. So two days after the abduction, the Smiths receive a phone call from a man with a disordered voice claiming to be the kidnapper. He demanded to speak with Mrs. Smith and described Sherry's swimming suit that she was wearing um, at the graduation party to prove that he wasn't lying. That he was actually the one that kidnapped her? Yeah. Um, He told Mrs. Smith that Sherry was fine and um, she was eating a little, getting plenty of water, and that they were just hanging out and watching TV. He didn't ask for any ransom, but told them that a letter would be delivered the next day. So why did he call if he wasn't asking for ransom then? That's, I think he's taunting. Yeah. Uh, believing the letter was going to be the best way to find Sherry, uh, the police went to the post office and searched through the mail until, until they found the envelope for the Smith family. Um, the letter inside was in Sherry's handwriting and was titled Last Will and Testament. Oh, no. Yeah. That's terrible. Uh, In the two-page letter, Sherry told her family how much she loved them and had um, sentiments saying, please don't let this ruin your lives. Just keep living every day for Jesus, and some good will come out of this. But she also wrote closed casket. Oh, poor Sherry. That's sad. Can you imagine, though, like what she's going through in her head to know that she, she knows what's coming and, and that it was going to be not pretty. And also to be at such a young age and, and feel like I don't want my parents to remember me that way. I mm-hmm. think that has a big impact too. You know, yeah. she doesn't want her parents remembering the horrible things that happened, but yeah, maybe but the better memories. Yeah. Uh, the letter was sent to the crime lab for forensic examiner, Uh, forensic document examiner Mickey Dawson to examine and try and find any evidence. After the letter arrived, the family got another phone call. The kidnapper um, asked if they had received the letter and they, and they believed, and if they believed him now, like that he had Sherry. Mrs. Smith said that she wasn't sure because she hadn't actually heard from Sherry and she wanted to know if she was okay. Like, so they hadn't fit like she hadn't yes they got the letter from her and it was written in sherry's handwriting but she hadn't heard sherry's voice since she was yeah exactly yeah um he told her they would know in two to three days and to call off the search for her he called again saying that sherry was alive and he implied that he would release her soon Uh, He also told them Sherry is now part of him physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and their souls are one. Oh, how like freaking creepy and distressing is that? Like asshole, this guy is. Yeah, like why? He's just like taunting her parents. Like, I don't even know to tell her parents like, oh, we're one now. Like Like, she's we're one soul. Freaking choke on it, Larry. That's ridiculous. You're not one soul. Yeah, you're garbage. Uh, the police were able to trace his phone call to a payphone in downtown Lexington, but in 1985, Trap and Trace took at least 15 minutes to trace the call and for authorities to reach the location. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's out. Yeah. Unfortunately, he only stayed on the call for a short time, so they weren't able to get, like, so they were able to trace it but couldn't get there in time for 
them yeah, to know. the cops to get him. Yeah. Now, at five days after the abduction, he called again, speaking to Mrs. Smith and Sherry's 21-year-old sister, Dawn. Um, he told them on June 1st at 3.10 um, a.m., Sherry wrote the letter. And at 4.58, they became one soul. So she was not alive for very much longer after that was written. Yeah, that's what we think. Um, Mrs. Smith pleaded with them not to kill her daughter, but remember he's saying this on June 1st. This is the day after she was abducted, like that she wrote the letter and then they became one soul. Yeah. The killer again called the next day, giving the Smiths exact directions to where he and Sherry would be waiting and said, God chose us. Ew. Freaking hate people. He's disgusting. Yeah. Um, police went to the location and found Sherry's body. The autopsy revealed that Sherry had been dead for several days and that she and that she had duct tape residue on her face, making them believe the cause of death was suffocation. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, the killer had had to to do um, had to cut the duct tape out of her hair, not to leave any behind. So. Um, that led investigators to believe he had some criminal sophistication. And, like, they realized, they ha- like, her hair was significantly shorter because he had to cut it out of her uh-huh. hair. Yeah. Um, uh, police believe that when he told the Smiths that they became one soul at 4.58, he was actually, that was actually the time of her death. Uh, meaning she was only alive for 12 after- hours after the abduction which means the two days after her abduction, when he finally called, he was literally calling to taunt her family. Yeah, because she had already been dead. Yeah. So That's he was terrible. giving them hope, mm-hmm. but really, he had already, she was already dead. That's um, terrible. An FBI agent, Walker, uh, believed the, the killer was buying time with the calls to let the outdoor elements get rid of any critical evidence. Uh, the body... Or the profile was developed for the abductor, and uh, and um, was that saying that he was a white male, unsuccessfully married, probably not currently married, in his mid twenties to early thirties, and had a history of sex crimes. Um, again, with the FBI, the signal analysis unit uh, found that a voice distortion device. Or the voice distortion was done by a speed variable device. Uh, This made them believe that the killer, either through employment or technical education somehow, had background in electronics. Just remember, um, Bell was trained as an electrician after high school, so... hmm. So he knows what's up. Yeah. Um, The killer, again, called um, the Smith family the night of Sherry's funeral to tell them exactly how he killed Sherry. Like, they literally just buried their daughter, and now he's coming back and saying, hey, let me let me describe, let me describe everything you. that I did to you, yeah. to your daughter. It's just sickening. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, but the family also felt like they had no choice but to listen in hopes to keep him on the phone long enough to do the trace. Yeah, that poor mom, though. That's horrible. Because yeah, well, you know you have to stay on. It's like a matter of finding him or not. It's like, yeah. you know, And that was, and that was the thing, too, is like he was always wanting to talk to her mom. And like, that's, 
And that's going to give you the biggest impact too. You know what I mean? Yeah. A couple weeks um, later, he called the Smiths again, but no longer wanting to talk about Sherry. Uh, he asked Mrs. Smith if he had heard if she had heard about Deborah May Helmick, a ten year old girl that was had gone missing in Richland County. Uh, two weeks after Sherry's abduction, Deborah was taken from outside her home in Richland County, about twenty four miles away from the Smith home. Her father was just inside the home, twenty feet away. Can I tell you that's something I actually like think about. Even, like, tonight, my daughter ran out to the truck to put something in the truck, and it was dark outside, and I stood at the door, and I watched her, because I was like, she's going to get kidnapped from my front yard. I think about that, too. Like, um, there's only one house in our neighborhood that Lennon's allowed to go inside, and that's our neighbors down, like, there are a couple houses down. uh And I think every time he's like, oh, I'm going to um, so-and-so's house, and I'm like, okay. And I, like, half the time have to, like, okay, you don't need to text her parents every time he goes over there. But at the, but same, at the same time, time I need how to many know. houses are in between here and there that he could just get snatched into? Yeah. We're making our fears worse. But I'm just saying, well, and that like, is something I totally think about. Well, and, like, I went outside yesterday because he was going down to their house, and he had asked me if he could get his bike out, and his bike was laying in my driveway, just laying down. And I was like, Who? <laughs> like where is he? Yeah. You know, like it's it for what, one out. second that they're gone, and you automatically are like kidnapped, killed, yeah, and murdered. I, they're buried. Like unless I'm upstairs in my house, I don't have any front windows like in the front of my yeah. house. Yeah, so I'm like I really can't see him outside unless you I'm have out to there go with out him. there. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So a neighbor did say they saw someone pull up in a car, get out, grab Deborah, and speed away. Uh. Uh, the killer once again gave the Smiths detailed directions of where Deborah could be found. Mm. Um, he said, Deborah May is waiting. God forgive us all. I know. God's Please not don't forgive, forgive him. You. You're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on criminal research, uh, the police thought that the killer would begin to show signs of compulsive behaviors like losing weight, drinking heavily, not shaving, and constantly talking about the murders. Uh, Back at the crime lab, Mickey Dawson, who uh, is the forensic document examiner, was still working with the letter in hopes to find evidence. During the initial examination, he found pages um, that the pages had come from a legal pad, and there were hopes to finding, like, indentions from the previous pages. So... Came from oh, a legal yeah, pad. Yeah, okay, and I then, get it. Yeah, so it came from a legal pad, and then they were hoping that this wasn't the first page on it, like that there had been written things so they could so maybe they could, get yeah, information. Figure out some information from there. Um, so then they put the letter into humidifier boxes. Oh my gosh, I need to. Sorry, my phone keeps going off. Priorities, Taylor, priorities. It's driving me crazy. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, just pause for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. We got to figure this out. Technical difficulties. Please hold. I wonder if I just like close out of it. I don't know if that'll work. <laughs> um. Anyways, they put it in these humidifier boxes. Increasing the humidity of the paper causes a um, causes the paper to increase the conductivity of electrical charges. Uh, it is then placed into a brass plate, placed on a brass plate, and then um, 
with a magnetic field activated. Uh, then the pages are dust with uh, powder similar to fingerprint powder. Okay. Do you, I was thinking like if it's the magnetic kind of like is it the magnetic powder that we used in school. That's yeah. what I like was thinking. That's what I just imagined when you were explaining it. Do you have any of that? Yeah. I still have my kit from when we won. So do I. Second place at a nationals for uh, a crime scene, crime scene team. investigation because so, we're that awesome. Just so no, I like, yeah, I remember. Gar- I'm wearing my medal. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> Gary gave it to us. Yeah. And then I have a, a magnet brush. Yeah. I like take it to work sometimes and do fingerprints for all the kids. Like oh, where you rub fun. your oils on your face and you put your hand on the piece of paper and you can dust it with fingerprint powder. You can see your fingerprints on the piece of paper. Yeah. The kids, like, their minds are blown, and it's hilarious, so. I um, I had Gary take Lennon's fingerprints. Oh, I remember that. He took um, Noah's, too. He mm-hmm. did Noah's, too. Chris won't let me take his DNA, but, you know. You know, what can you do? What if our kid gets kidnapped? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paranoid or anything. <laughs> I, I have all of my kids' DNA. Like I've swabbed. I have the things to let it, it, but he won't let me take it. Yeah, I just I, I would hide it. I would just do it and hide it. He doesn't listen to our podcast anyway. He'll never know. <laughs> um. So after all of sorry, back to back, the case at hand. The banter here. Continue. Um. After all of that was complete, the document showed a grocery list, bills that needed to be paid, and a list of phone numbers um, to call in case of emergency. Dawson was able to make out a partial phone number with the area coded for Alabama. With only one, the like final digit missing, investigators began calling numbers and just switching out that last digit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to get a hold of a man who told them that his mother and father lived in South Carolina. Uh, his father is Ellis Shepard, a 50-year-old electrician. Ooh, mm-hmm. look at all these electricians I mean, today. It, yeah. Um, and he and his wife only lived 15 miles from the Smith home. Uh, when the police looked at phone records, they showed that some of the calls made to the Smith home came from the Shepherd's home. Ooh, suspicious. That's weird. That's yeah. weird, sir. Yeah. So um, Ellis Shepard spoke to the police, and he told him he didn't know why his phone, um, his son's number was on the letter, and that he and his wife were on vacation when Sherry was abducted, uh, which the police were able to confirm. Uh, the police played like they're okay. Well, we know this guy didn't do it, but somehow. He's involved, whether he's involved or not, we got to figure Some, that out. Yeah, something's up. They've got to figure out what's going on with this guy. Um, so the police actually played a recording of the killer's voice, and Ellis's immediate re- reaction was, that dirty son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm there for it. I like it. And the police were like, wait, what? Um, and he told the police that that was Larry Jean Bell. Uh, Bell worked for Ellis doing electrical wiring and was house-sitting for the Shepherds while they were on vacation for six weeks. I mean, I'd like to take a six-week vacation, but... Sign me up. Where do we... But please don't... Where's the sign-ups for that? ...murder anybody in my house or call people that you may have murdered. From my house? From my house. You dick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Shepherds told police that when Bell picked them up from the airport, all he wanted to talk about was Sherry's abduction. 
Um, and the police searched the shepherd's home and they found micros- hairs microscopically similar to Sherry's and the stamp on the letter match or yeah, the stamp on the letter that Sherry, Sherry had written wrote, yeah. um, matched a sheet of stamps found in the home. Okay. So more like circumstantial evidence. Yeah. Uh, police arrested Bell and saw that he had been involved in various sexual incidents uh, since childhood. He had been like he had been in trouble for making obscene phone calls and even attempted ki- to kidnap a young college student at the University of South Carolina. Yeah. So she like fought him off and got away. I am I guess so. Lucky Good girl. For her. Yeah. Bell denied killing Sherry and Deborah, saying it wasn't this Larry Jean Bell. It was the bad Larry Jean Bell. You're dumb, Larry. Yeah. Uh, He went to to trial for Sherry's murder in January of 1986. During his six-hour testimony, he... Okay, I'm sorry. This it just like goes exactly along with the FBI profile you're talking about. Yeah, he just of course he would sit up there for six hours and make us listen to his ass. Oh yeah, um, he would continue to make bizarre comments. Um, if he didn't want to answer a question, he would say silence is golden. What <laughs> weirdo! I know this guy is a freaking weirdo. Um, and at one point he even said, and I quote. I would like to marry Don E. Smith, who is uh, Sherry's 21-year-old sister. You're disgusting. I'm so, sure. Like, like, I killed your sister, but I want to marry you. It's I'm okay. sure she would say no. Yeah. I'm just going to say that's a solid pass for her. Hard pass. <laughs> Hard no. Thank you. Um, it only took, like, remember, he was on stand for six hours. And so the trial was also much longer than that. Yeah. It only took the jury 47 minutes to come back with a guilty verdict of kidnapping and first degree murder. He was sentenced to death by electrocution. He was then tried separately for Deborah May Helmick's kidnapping and murder. And the jury came back with the, with the same verdict. 10 years after he, after his trial, he became the last man in, um, in South Carolina to die in the electric chair. I did think that was kind of ironic that he is an electrician who died by electricity in the electric chair. It, it gives me like my Warms heart my a heart little. Like a little, you know. Yeah. It's a little heartwarming a that way. Dickhead, Larry. Yeah, way to go, Larry. All right. Freaking Larry. All right. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a great one. I liked it. I mean, I didn't, you know what I mean. You guys know what <laughs> I, I mean. mean. Uh, yeah. It, it creeped me out. I liked it. Good evidence, too. Good evidence, yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. To Murdery. See you next week. <laughs>